Welcome, everyone. I'm Kim Christensen, and this is the Peaceful Productivity Podcast, where I share strategies to help you get the most out of your time and feel better in the process. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I've got a special treat for you. If you are an entrepreneur or thinking about starting your own business, then this is the episode for you. You work hard to create value for your customers. So much so that they are willing to spend their time, their money, and their vulnerability, their trust with you. This is a great privilege. It's an honor. It's also a blast. I find making money to be fun. And growing the money is the funnest. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's a word or not. But speaking of funnest, helping you set up a profitable business is my passion. It lights me up. It would be my pleasure and privilege to help you set up a profitable business that you love. As a CPA, I have the financial knowledge and experience that can help new entrepreneurs like you set up a profitable business. As a certified life coach, I'm also passionate about helping you create the time and the mindset you need to set up a business that you love. When you're an entrepreneur, you wear many hats, CEO, CFO, Chief Financial Officer, Chief Operations Officer, Chief Information Officer, (laughs) especially if you're a solopreneur, you're the entire C-suite, you're all of the executive, you're the sales department, and you're the practitioner. So for me, I'm both a business owner making all of the decisions around my business, and I'm also the coach that's delivering the service. When you're starting a new business, not only are you the CEO, but you're also the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. I think this can be a bit scary at first, especially if this is your first business or if financial acumen is new and unfamiliar. That's what I want to address today. I think it's really, really important when we're starting out to surround ourselves with trusted advisors, skilled mentors, and objective coaches. I want you to feel equipped with the knowledge and the background to ask the powerful questions when you're working with business advisors. One of these trusted advisors is the CPA for your business. Okay, I see you right now. (laughs) I'm a CPA. I know that you might be rolling your eyes and looking for the next button on your podcast scroll. (laughs) And I get it. I understand this is probably the last thing that you want to do is find a CPA for your business. Finding a CPA might not be the fun, sexy stuff that you thought you would be doing when you dreamed about starting your own business. However, this can be one of the most important things that you can do to set your business up for success right from the beginning. Hiring the right CPA for your business can help save you time, can help you save money, 
and help save you stress. It can also help to boost your confidence in your business decisions. I can understand and see where the process of hiring the CPA that's right for your business, I can see where that could be intimidating. CPAs, I can say this because I am one, we often speak in a language that might be unfamiliar. I've noticed myself and other CPAs do this far too commonly. We use terminology and jargon that we assume is universally understood, and it's really not. Even within the CPA profession, there's sometimes disagreement over the use of certain terminology. We all know that words can have different definitions and applications depending upon the situation, depending upon the context and the culture. I once worked at an organization where new people would frequently tell me that when they came to work there, it felt like they were learning a new language. To help these people, we decided to put together a list of the company-specific terms and abbreviations. And at the end, the document was pages long. There were even duplicates. For example, OLG meant several different things depending on the context of the conversation. Creating this communication shorthand, it's very valuable when you're building community and a sense of belonging within a culture. However, it can also be very exclusionary. I know when I enter pretty much any conversation around sports, I quickly lose track of the plot because there's so many unfamiliar terms and anecdotes and references. That's just one example of where we can see an entire culture that gets built up, an entire language around a common theme. So it's easy to understand why companies and industries start to develop their own language. What's often overlooked is how much that language and culture can alienate newcomers and outsiders. This is what happens with CPAs and their clients. If CPAs don't take a moment to explain what they're talking about in layman's terms, and if clients feel like they can't ask, then the clients end up feeling frustrated or intimidated. Oftentimes, CPAs don't even realize that they're doing it. What's Interesting is that most of the CPAs that I've met are more than happy to clarify and explain if just given the chance. We love talking about numbers and what they mean. I'm happy to explain things in several different ways. It's kind of my jam. A part of it is my teaching mindset and I love to share. And part of it is my passion around the power of financial acumen. I think once we understand how the financial statements work in a business, it's a position of real power. And this is available to all of us when we ask questions. This can be a really powerful idea because as clients, it puts us in that position of power. We simply need to ask the questions and give the CPA a chance to explain it in a different way. It's not because we as the clients are stupid. It's because we might never have heard that term before. Or maybe we have, haven't heard it used quite in that way before. Perhaps we're visual learners and we need to actually picture it. 
it really has nothing to do with intelligence at all. It has everything to do with sharing from a place of generosity and being willing to ask from a place of curiosity. When you have that relationship with your CPA, you start to build a partnership in which you are able to grow your business with somebody who has that financial acumen, that expertise, rather than avoiding the conversation that could cost you missed income and tax savings opportunities. Now, if you're not in a position where you feel comfortable asking the questions, it's usually because of the thoughts that you have about the CPA or the thoughts that you might have about yourself. If the thoughts are about the CPA, maybe you're just at the beginning of the relationship. You're not sure whether this person is credible or if they're trustworthy or you're just still unsure. I want to encourage you to listen to that. Oftentimes we might settle for an advisor that doesn't quite jive with our learning style because we feel like we don't have any other options or maybe we think they know more than us. I want to offer that there are many options out there and you get to choose the CPA that best fits your business needs and your own learning style. Ideally, the relationship would feel like a collaboration or a partnership with you both focused on the growth of your business. There's also the possibility that you aren't asking the questions because of your thoughts about yourself, particularly if you aren't very familiar with the terminology or if you're thinking something about yourself that prevents you from getting curious. Thoughts like, I'm not good with money or I'm not good at math or the CPA knows better than I do, or I don't want them to think I'm stupid. These thoughts just get in our way. They prevent us from asking those questions for fear of what the CPA will think about us. I'd like to offer a different perspective. I'd like to offer that financial acumen is a skill like any skill. It can be learned. It can be developed over time. And with some trial and error, you can become quite adept at exercising this skill. I've seen it so many times with a bit of knowledge and a willingness to try and maybe make some mistakes, people can become quite skilled. It's just like learning any skill, really. Riding a bike or learning to drive a car, it's scary when you start out, especially if you're trying to do it all by yourself. But if you get behind the wheel of a car and you have a trusted instructor sitting next to you with the patience and skill to help you navigate slowly and successfully, over time you're going to get good at it. So good that it just becomes automatic. But in the beginning, you need the courage to get in the car. You need the courage to try. And you need the courage to make mistakes and risk looking stupid which can be super hard for us to do, especially when we're really accomplished or have had success in other areas of our lives. At least this is what I noticed, is that to move and shift back into that beginner's mindset again, oh, that, can be, that can be tough for, for us older folks. To admit that we don't know something 
our expectations of ourselves is that we should have figured this out already, which then opens the door for a whole bunch of self-judging thoughts and denial and frustration. So rather than opening that door, we're going to choose to be the beginner, choose to ask the questions, choose to ask a lot of different people, choose to potentially look like you don't know the answer, and above all else, choose to think that that's okay. I have a quick story about that. I once had a mentor who I respected immensely. He was, he is a genius. His financial and business acumen were exceptional. He just seemed to have a brain that was able to see all sides of a problem at the same time. And it was really fascinating to watch and listen. I benefited so much from having those conversations with him and watching how he tackled a problem. One of the brilliant things about this mentor is that not only did he intuitively see the solution to the problem quickly and easily, he also had the gift of explaining it in an easy to understand way to people with all sorts of different learning styles. I feel really lucky to have had him as a mentor for so many years. Anyway, I remember talking to him one day about his new boss. I was asking about his early impressions, and I still remember that conversation vividly. The reason why is that at the time, my perception was that someone who had a high degree of financial acumen knew the answers. They didn't need to ask questions, almost like they had a photographic memory or a repository of all of the facts and figures. When my mentor talked about his new boss, what he said really astonished me. He said that what he most admired about his new boss was that she asked really good questions. This was a bit of a foreign concept to me especially given that I was thinking that the be-all end-all of business acumen was having all of the answers. When I said as much to my mentor, he said something that really changed how I think about questions from that day forward. He said that in his view, great leaders and thinkers don't become great by asking less questions. They become great by asking better questions. This was a pivotal moment for me. I realized that success was less about knowing all of the answers and it was more about being willing to own when you didn't know the answer or maybe even more importantly, in those moments when you think you know the answer, being willing to own that there might be more to learn here. That can feel really risky, especially to those of us who have hinged our success, our worthiness, even our self-image on knowing all of the answers and being perceived that way by others. When we decide that our very identity rests on our knowledge, it blocks us from learning more. We have quietly decided that we don't need to learn anymore. When we make that decision, we block ourselves from learning more, which is where we tend to stall out, we spin in place, we get stuck. This is also a very uncomfortable place to land because if we've decided that our worthiness is hinged on knowing all of the things and there's something that we don't know, then our very worthiness is in a position to be challenged. 
(laughs) That's an existential dilemma that I wouldn't wish on anyone. So rather than proving that we already know it all, instead decide that we don't know it all, that there's always more to learn and that we never will know it all. In fact, I think that's probably where the negative connotation around the label know-it-all comes from, is that the know-it-all has hinged their worthiness on their ability to know it all. So it's a conscious decision to decide that we're still worthy, we're still valuable. In fact, I've decided that my value comes from asking more questions, better questions, not less questions. This is what I help my clients with in my new business coaching program. We talk about financial and business acumen, and we identify those areas where my clients might be hiding, hiding and missing out on opportunities from fear, fear of growing their business, fear of asking the questions, helping them realize that questions are so valuable, not because they lead to answers, but because they prompt the exploration. They trigger the conversation and the discovery process. Questions are an opportunity for collaboration. If this question doesn't work, then I'll ask it again in a different way, or I'll ask a different question. There are millions of questions at your disposal. If you don't like this one, choose a different one. Each question is like a door that opens onto an amazing and undiscovered world for both the questioner as well as for the responder. It's an opportunity for both people. The interesting thing about questions is that they can feel like friction. However, if that's true, then I like to think about the questions as the friction that create the pearl. They can feel uncomfortable or they can feel empowering. You really get to decide how you want to feel about questions. Just don't stop asking them. Remember that financial acumen is a skill that you can learn and build. One could almost say that financial acumen is less about knowledge and more about the skill of asking really good questions. So if you're not sure what to ask your potential CPA, maybe you're interviewing CPAs for your business, don't worry, I've got you. I want you to feel equipped with the knowledge and background to ask the powerful questions when you're working with your business advisors. Knowledge is powerful. Asking questions is powerful. So I have some suggestions for you. Think about your next conversation with your CPA as an interview. You get to ask them questions and judge if they're the right fit for your business. There are many CPAs out there. You get to find the one that's right for you. So on that note, I've put together 10 financial questions to consider at the start of your business, 10 things that you can ask your CPA or your potential CPA. I'd like to encourage you not to wait until tax time to start thinking about finding a CPA. There are many things that you can do right from the beginning including the structure of your business and tax planning opportunities. So I've put this all together, these 10 things to consider, as well as the reasons why they're helpful on my website, 
financialwellnesscoach.ca and you'll find it under the free resources tab and I've titled it the 10 questions to ask your CPA. I hope you have a great week, everyone. Take care.